You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord tonight. And uh, it's good to see you in God's house. And we're going to go into... Our lesson tonight on greatly to be praised, greatly to be praised. And um, we've kind of been focusing around um, this, this um, kind of these topics of praise and worship and presence of God and being in his house. And, and um, I'm just thankful to be able to come to the house of the Lord tonight in liberty and freedom and to worship him. Amen. So Psalm 100 and verse 4. Um, if you've been around church for any length of time, this verse you would have heard probably many times. But it says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Amen. Um, a young man um, who... Uh, was from a country that was at war, and he volunteered to fight. Uh, he wasn't drafted. Uh, he signed up freely because he believed in the cause. And in his very first battle, uh, he was kind of the linchpin of the, or the deciding factor uh, that tipped the scales for his country's favor. Uh, he became a national hero. Upon returning to the battlefield, they, they threw a, a parade for him. He became quite popular for his, his, uh, what he had accomplished. He was promoted to the position of general as a reward for his bravery. He had the, the woman available uh, who was the... Uh, his dream woman. Uh, he, he put a house together. He continued to lead the army to victory after victory. He became a household name across his country. Uh, but then the leader that was currently of the country got a little jealous about his success and uh, wanted to kill him. Uh, he would barely escape being assassinated multiple times. Uh, and um, even one time that his wife had to uh, um, kind of cover for him, let him out the window, cover for him. He was continually on the run. And um, you can imagine, you can imagine that um, uh, the situation that you're always on the run uh, and your life is at risk. And uh, he finds himself with kind of a, a bunch of misfits, uh, rogue people. And they keep showing up at his cave where he's hiding from his assassin. And this continues. I mean, these are, these are, not, these are not the greatest of people that keep showing up there. 
they're dodging uh, debt collectors and and they're they're thieves themselves. They're, they're they got kind of a bad reputation and 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 all of a sudden, before you know it, the, there's there's like six hundred of them. And so no longer is he able to hide very easily from his assassin when he's got kind of this large group of hundreds of men who are, are, are not on their best behavior at the best of times, and now they're hiding in his cave. You can imagine the time and the energy that you would spend trying to spare your own life um, from being killed. And you would wonder, how? How would you ever have time to write songs, play your instrument, spend time in prayer and thankfulness unto the Lord when you're running for your life that's at risk and you got 600 or so people that you're trying to um, avoid? You can imagine the nights that David spent trying to keep himself alive, surrounded by a band of what you would maybe uh, from a Cushabaquack world of scoundrels. And they're all around him, and I mean, the, the tendency would not be to bring out the harp with these people around. <laughs> Might get laughed at, maybe, I don't know. But he uncovers his harp, and he starts to write multiple psalms that we have today in the Word of God, in which I have read to you one of those verses as we opened this text tonight. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. There was something about David. He could have easily fallen into a trap that many people fall into where they face trials and troubles and things that happen in their life. And they just say, you know what? For the next period of time, I'm just going to step back. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to kind of be on the sideline. I'm going to try to deal with these guys that have just showed up and uh, they're really not helping me at all. They've become kind of a burden. I I'm just going to maybe um, sit on the seat for a little bit. I'm just going to, I'm going to take a step back. And it would have been easy for someone like David to do that. But this was the hero of Israel who had slayed Goliath. This is the hero of Israel that while he was in the desert and in the mountains and, 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 and time alone with God, that something happened in his spirit that he realized that God is worthy to be praised and worshipped no matter what. We're so blessed tonight to have the, the, the passages that he wrote, but you have to get the, ba the, the background of when he wrote them and how he wrote them and where he wrote them and, and understand when he's writing, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, 
and into his courts with praise. That's easy maybe for us tonight to come into the house of the Lord and, and we can spend uh, an hour in God's house and worship and hear the word and we travel on home. Uh, we're not, most of us, I would say, are not living in caves tonight. We're not living with hundreds of scoundrels. And we're sure probably not running for our life. And yet David, in all of that situation, said, I'm going to worship him. I'm going to connect with the Lord in a holy reverence, a fear of God. Oh, worship the Lord, he said, in the beauty of holiness, fear before him all the earth. It is an understanding, he said, of who God is. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. He had an understanding of this is more than my circumstances or my situation or my dilemmas that I find myself in. This is a God that's worthy to be praised and worshipped. David saw that the fear of the Lord was a positive thing. God was so powerful. He was a mighty ally. He said, behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. He didn't see his circumstances as a difficult situation. He seen how powerful his God was that he was his ally. Psalm 34 and 7 assures us, he says, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Even in the cave, David could worship because he was certain that God would deliver him. And he found himself, I can't even imagine, being stuffed up in a cave with hundreds of men. I'm pretty confident there wasn't a lot of bath water. I don't know what natural way they brushed their teeth. But I can just imagine the fragrances in there. This is not... This is not the Hilton. This is not, they ha all have their own rooms. We'll meet in the foyer for a time of fellowship once a day. No, this is none of that. This is a setting that none of us would probably even want to be in. Lone Sea for weeks and months at a time. And yet David said, doesn't matter about all this. I've got an ally that that deserves worship and praise and I'm going to give that to him no matter what the situation is that I find myself in that's what he that's his attitude see all creation points to a creator all creation worships the lord with a single possible exception and that is humanity Humanity alone has been given the free will to decide whether you or I will praise the Lord. The sun shines forth God's glory. 
The moon reflects God's, God's majesty, his mercy, God's glory. The stars remind us of how powerful God is and his infinite majesty. The plants, the animals, the landscape all around us give us immeasurable scenes and sights and amazement at how things grow and how they function involuntarily to worship God in the way they were created. But when it comes to humanity, God decided that you and I get to make a choice of whether we're going to worship God or not. And voluntary worship from a willing heart overwhelms a majestic God when you and I make a choice. When you and I decide, no matter what is happening around us, what we're part of, what's taking place, I'm going to stand in adoration and worship and thanksgiving. I'm going to sing a song unto the Lord. No matter how good a voice I have, I'm going to raise my hands and worship no matter how tired I am. I'm going to make my way to the house of God no matter how busy my day was. Hallelujah, something happens and you affect the very presence of God because he in habits uh, the praises of his people <laughs> when you voluntarily worship him it's different than all of the rest of creation every part of creation does it uh, uh, does what it can to worship God because that's how it was created you know we look at the sun and we think, uh, well, you know, that's bright during the day. God made it bright. God made the sun the way it is. It shines as bright as it can. The birds fly, and, the, and, and they sing beautifully. If you want to be amazed, just sit down in the woods uh, and, and sit there long enough that the birds don't see you as a threat, and then just listen to the song. How beautiful it is. The, the colors of the flowers as they bloom in their glorious colors and splendor and how God has created them. Yeah, they don't have the will like you do, but God created them out of his beauty. Mm. You and I, we get to raise our voices, play instruments, use our skills, Whatever God has placed within you, don't, don't allow yourself to take a back seat to that. Let the strength arise in your legs. Uh, if you're able to stand, uh, let, let your hands be able to, to clap together. If you're able to put your hands together, uh, raise your voice. If you're able to raise your voice uh, and let there be a praise and a worship uh, that comes out because greatly is he uh, to be praised. <laughs> yeah. Worship goes much deeper than just singing and shouting, dancing, clapping. David said, Psalm 96, verse 9, Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. If we truly have fear, there's an, there's an awe, and there's a reverence, and there's a respect for God. 
that, that, that not only comes out in our praise, uh, in what we say and how we sing and how we raise our voice, but how we offer ourselves to God and say, God, here I am. I just want to be everything you want me to be. I want to live the way you want me to live. I want to act the way you want me to act. I want to be a conduit uh, of your mercy and your grace, your compassion. God, I'm giving you worship and praise because of who you are. When God first made humanity, he said it was very good. All the rest of creation was simply good. But humanity was very good. By the time of the flood, God was repenting that he had made man. Creation was still good. But man was no longer very good. But the good news is that each and every one of us are able to get ourselves back on track. When you gave your life to the Lord, you followed the plan of his salvation. You accepted the opportunity that he made available for us to get ourselves back on track to become very good. That is expressed to him in your worship and your praise. Our changed lives are able to lift up a praise to him. It's not built on our, our careers or our status or our economics. No, no, no. It's built on what Jesus has done for each of our lives. And all of a sudden, we lift our praise and worship to him and you become you become a reflection again of him greater than the sun shining during the day greater than the moon or stars at night greater than the tulips that will be up shortly greater than all of those things you become a reflection of God himself, God is greatly to be praised. He wrote in Psalm, David did in 96 verse 4, For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. See, much has been said and written about the difference between worship and praise. There are clearly differences, but there's also a close a relation between the two words, sometimes they're interchangeable. Some say worship is what we do because of who God is, and praise is what we do in response to what God has done. Others would say worship is directed toward God alone for Him to hear, while praise is when we tell others what God has done. We could discuss all of that on a continual basis for quite some hours. The idea is He is great and greatly to be praised. <laughs> that's that's the, the crux of the matter. David made the connection between praise and 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 when he wrote it, he, he made this this connection. Declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Whether we're aiming our praises, folks, directly at God or praising him to others that are around us, uh, uh, what, whatever the setting is that you're giving God praise, uh, it, it, it's, it's like this, Psalm 100 verse 5, for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. I thank God for how good he is. God is all-powerful. 
Can you imagine if he were evil instead of good? What if God was cruel? You can see that represented through false gods of other nations in history and things that were done to people on behalf of sacrifice to other gods. Who would survive? What would our lives be like? The Bible says he gives good gifts unto his children. He sends blessing upon the good, the just, and the unjust. James tells us uh, that every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father. Everything about God is good. What happens sometimes we look at our situations and we think, well, we must be being, being punished by God. Or what is it that I did to deserve this? Or what is it that's causing this to happen in my life? It doesn't change the fact that he's good. So however terrible even your day was, when you enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise, that's because of who God is and what he has done for you. Something powerful, something very powerful about praising and worshiping God. You know, we use this common phrase. We greet someone, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, brother. Praise the Lord, sister. It's become so, so common at times that we kind of miss the meaning of even what we're saying. It becomes just a statement. Do we lose the, the significance of praising the Lord over just making a statement? Or do we step back and say, no, he is worthy to be praised, and I am giving you the thought of my heart right now by saying, praise the Lord, brother. Praise the Lord, sister, because of who he is and what he has done for me. His mercy is everlasting. It never expires. It's new and fresh every morning. Time after time, David would find himself failing and falling, but he always turned back to God because he knew that God would help him get back up again. He, he could repent. He could fall upon God's mercy uh, because it was ever, everlasting. And, and it's no different with you or I. We too often uh, stumble or fall or make missteps or, or, or have errors in our, in our life. Our, our flesh sometimes is in control instead of the Spirit of God. Sometimes it's carnality instead of spirituality. But I'm thankful uh, that every time I find uh, myself in that type of situation, I can still step to the forefront and say, I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to worship Him. I'm going to give him glory and thanks. And all of a sudden, my attitude changes. My outlook changes. How I view life changes. It's an amazing thing that when you can worship God and praise God no matter what, 
Do you know what's so awesome? What? You know what's so awesome? Here's a, a faithful group of people that are in church tonight. And some that are watching online and listening. And will make their way back. What's incredible is that we've just gone through over two years of upheaval and turmoil and not knowing from Friday to Sunday what was going to change. Sometimes change daily. I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to give guidelines for three provinces and they don't even agree. And yet, through all of that, there is a group of people that has made it through that said there's someone that's worthy to be praised. No, no, that's, you got you to gotta stop and think, why are you here? Not because it was convenient. Not because it was easy. Not because everything fell into place. No, it's the opposite. No, there was something in your spirit that said, I'm going to be in the house of God. I'm going to do the best I can to be there when I'm allowed to be. And sure to goodness, when I'm able to step back into his house, I'm coming to praise him and to worship him and to give him glory. He's great and greatly to be praised. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. That's what you've done. That tells me. That you understand the mercy of God. It's everlasting. You're willing to rely on him. Trust in him. Put your hope in him. And say no matter what happens. I'm going to serve him. I tell you that's the attitude. That's going to be needed going forward. Not here to try to scare anyone. But folks. Uh, we're going to have to be determined. That we're going to praise God no matter what. Everything that's happening around will try to deteriorate what's happening within the church. But I am thankful of a group of people that had the same attitude that David had. Listen, all kinds of things are going to be chasing me down and trying to hinder me and destroy me and hold me back. But I'm going to get out my harp. I'm going to take it off the willow and I'm going to sing and praise and lift him up no matter how I feel, what anyone else is doing, what day it is, what the circumstances are. I'm going to give him praise. Yes. That's why his truth endures to all generations. See, as we talk to others about God, we prove once again that this is not the last generation, if the Lord tarries, that His truth will endure. No, no, it'll go on because of people who are going to serve Him no matter what. David served the Lord some 3,000 years ago. The same that Noah served God thousands of years before that. The continuance of truth goes a long ways back. Because there's been a group of people that said we're going to stand unshaken. Steadfast. Unmovable. 
We're going to hold on. We're going we're to make it through. Listen, critics have come, and they will go. Uh, just, just think of the Word of God for an example. I mean, there's been all kinds of critics that for, for hundreds and thousands of years that um, go back to they're going to destroy what was going to be written. If you go back over the last number of centuries, there's been a number of people that said that the Bible would become obsolete. They became obsolete. One of the key components of that that said that the Bible would be done, gone. The house that he lived in became a printing press for the Bible. God has a sense of humor. Governments and empires have tried to eradicate the book. But yet the Bible still stands. Philosophers have tried to suggest that the Bible will become or needs to be altered to become more pure in its morality. Philosophers uh, have failed to create uh, the change uh, uh, that they desire within the book because the Bible said heaven and earth will pass away. But my word, <laughs> let me tell you, if that's the way it is for the word of God, there's a family of God, <laughs> hallelujah, that's built upon the word of God <laughs> that's going to worship and praise him no matter what happens. <laughs> I know it's Wednesday. You'll have to come up and try to preach this, but just reading it. The postmodern era. Everything's being questioned. We're, we're living in that age. Everything is being questioned. The age-old question that Pilate Opposed to Jesus is still relevant. He said this at his trial. What is truth? That's what he brought up to the Lord. What is truth? That happened in John 18. The very foundation of society is being eroded. Reality itself is being questioned. Humanity's rush to be unsure about everything is happening. We got to get rid of being judgmental and everything's got to become tolerant and got to be able to reason through things. And so the Bible's being dismissed as being an absolute truth. It can't be cut and dry. The statement of facts can't be real. It doesn't fit our modern society. The mindset is uh, we have to lean a little bit on this verse and lean a little bit on that. And yet God said that nothing will be added and nothing will be taken away. It's forever settled it's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Right even to the point of knowing the thoughts and the intents of people's hearts. 
heaven and earth would pass away, but his word would not. And so you and I tonight, our foundation is built upon that word, the rock, Christ Jesus. And so when you're built upon that foundation, there is absolutely no way that praise and worship does not become a part of your culture. I just heard it said by someone, or was said to me by someone who just came to our church in the last short while. The difference, it's not about mission points, it's not about the color of the pews, it's sure not about who's leading or worshiping or, or singing or, no, no, no. The presence of God is what makes a difference. And as soon as you start to praise and worship Him, guess what? His presence fills the room. And so because... Because we're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Uh, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. This very word of God. There's a praise uh, and a worship that arises from his people. Because he's great and greatly to be praised. So what should be our reaction? Well our reaction is no different than it was when David wrote Psalm 100 verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Listen, if we stop and think about it, every one of us could walk through the doors with a frown and disappointment and feel down. And for the last two years, we couldn't see it on your face. But may I suggest that you walk through those doors by entering into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. I don't know what tomorrow is going to ha have or hold. Can I tell you just a quick little story? I may have told you this before. My dad was injured on October the 10th, a Tuesday morning somewhere around 10 o'clock, in 1989, almost 33 years ago. What's amazing about what happened just before that event, you'd have to know my dad. Oh, I can still picture it in my mind lots of times. But on the Sunday night before, Two days. My dad danced before the Lord for about an hour or more, having no idea what was going to happen two days later. But on that Sunday night, it didn't matter what anyone else was doing, and it didn't matter what anyone else was thinking. It didn't even matter what songs were being sung. There was a praise that arose in his spirit. It was just in a little country church of our district. It wasn't even at his home church. <laughs> well, you know, I feel comfortable enough in my home church. I'll act like myself. He wasn't at his home church. It didn't matter. What happened was he entered into his gates with thanksgiving 
and into his courts with praise and said there was someone there that was great and greatly to be praised. <laughs> okay, I've got to close this. See, when we come to church, we come with words of thanksgiving, praise on our lips, thankfulness in our hearts. That's not just for church days. That's for every day. Every day, no matter where we're going, what we're doing, the glory of God's presence can be upon our lives. Anything is possible. Anything is possible for God to show through your, your life when you start to praise and worship him and give him glory. When you start to bless God's name and lift his name on high and give him thanks and adoration, mm, you never know what your day is going to bring and you never know what's going to happen and you never know how God's glory is going to be seen. See, in the ancient world, usually if a king established or promoted the worship of a particular national deity, he did so as an effort to establish his own position more firmly. You can look at the example of King Nebuchadnezzar. For instance, he recaptured the idol of the Babylonian god Marduk. And the Elamites and used that as a propaganda to show how great a king he was. That was his motive. King Darius of Persia, whose right to rule was tenuous at best, but he built a, a god, Mazda. He built it to himself. In Egypt, the pharaohs, uh, they, they, um, they claimed uh, their to be so divine, and they did that by making themselves divine. Ancient monarchs used their gods to make themselves look better and to make themselves look more powerful. That was how the ancient world acted. But David had a much different approach. The day David, when he left that cave, and he took the crown. David went out to recover the Ark of the Covenant. The symbol of God's presence. To bring it back to Jerusalem. You might expect him to walk through the gates solemnly in his royal robes with great pomp and circumstance. He could have made uh, that moment... He could have made that moment all about his personal glory and, and the position he now had as king. He could have. But instead, David laid aside his royal garments and he put on a simple linen ephod and he danced before the Lord with all his might. 
the singers were singing, the, the priests were offering sacrifices, uh, the instruments folks were blaring, uh, and David was dancing uh, with all his might, not for himself, uh, but to the King of kings uh, and the Lord of lords because he was worthy of worship and of praise. As far as David was concerned, God was the only one worthy of worship and praise. And so he abandoned everything about his position, his authority, his kingship. He abandoned all of that to worship the one and only. What a lesson for us. It'll never be about our position, our status in life. It'll never be about our jobs, our careers, our family, our finance. It'll never be how good looking you are. It'll never be how important either or any of us are. It'll never be about any of that. It'll only be about one who's great and greatly to be praised. And as soon as we raise worship and praise to him, there's absolutely nothing stopping the impossible from happening because he is great and greatly to be praised. It's not the greatest preacher. It's not the greatest music. It's not the greatest programs. It's the greatest God. That's why we've seen the miraculous happen in Danita's life. Two Sundays ago, 5% chance of survival. And they're in the process of moving her out of ICU. <laughs> She's fully awake and responding to their commands, breathing 100% on her own. was given one hour to live. And yet there's a group of people, not just here, but thousands around the world, that said there's a God that's great and greatly to be praised. And we're going to praise Him. And the testimony of the miracle-working God is so superior everything else in this world. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.